your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 356 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And there's never a dull day in Sens land, really. The Senators have hired Pierre Maguire to be their senior vice president of player development. And after listening to Dorian speak on TSN 1200 this morning, it sounds like a liaison position between Melnick and Dorian. Think of the late, great Brian Murray, what he brought to the organization, a polarizing figure, no doubt. So we'll have Pilsy's take on what this means for the team going forward. Then we get back to our draft rankings ever so close to our first round talents. We're in the mid thirties. We've got a nice variety of players today. Not all similar like we saw on Thursday showers, all defensemen. So stay tuned for all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, July 12th, and Pilsy, is this the opposite of a Friday news dump? I mean, 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, the Ottawa Senators announced that Pierre Maguire is joining the organization. What a world, Ross. Like, I just, <laughs> I was not expecting this at all. Let me just say that first thing. Like, I, I saw the official tweet and had to like double check the profile, being like, am I getting, am I getting pranked on right now? Like, what's happening here? But this is real life. Pierre Maguire does now work for the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> and as Pierre Dorian said, Pierre reports to me. So we got a double Pierre situation here. But like you said in the intro, never a dull day in Sensland. Like, I don't care what you think about Pierre Maguire, but this is at least interesting. Like, this is this is the most interesting thing we've had happen in, I don't know, a month for the Sens. Easily. And there's so much to break down because Eugene Melnick was the one who released a statement in the official news release, not Pierre Dorian. To me, that raised a bit of a red flag. What's the chain of command here? Of course, everyone's reporting to Melnick, but then Dorian clarifying it somewhat, although he says Pierre reports to me, who's he talking about, um, as you mentioned. But on that same token, say what you want about Pierre Maguire. This guy lives hockey. He is the one guy, and we had John Rodenberg on, JR, who has done upwards of 4,000 interviews. That is an astronomical number, but I believe it. Because I remember driving to middle school in 2003, and Pierre Maguire was on uh, then Team 1200 every single morning at 810. This guy is the one insider, and this is what JR told us, where you don't have to guess whether or not he watched the game the night before. He lives, sleeps, eats hockey, and he's going to be a sounding board. Say what you want about his trashing of analytics and maybe a bit of it he did for the media aspect. You know, it is an entertainment industry at the end of the day. We've heard and seen other analytics people saying, here's eye test. Like it matches with analytics. Why does he keep trashing it? So I hope that he can become a little more open-minded when it comes to how he views the 
future of the game, how to value players, that sort of thing. But there's no question. He brings over 30 years of NHL experience with him to this job. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that people need to key in on here is not any of the negatives or any of your opinions of him as a broadcaster. And I think the the one that really kind of irks me, Ross, is people bringing up the fact that he didn't, uh, things didn't go well for him in Hartford as a head coach 30 years ago. <laughs> like, guys, come on, get get out of here with that garbage. That's three decades ago in a completely different role. So Neither I, of us were alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's just straight off disavow that. That's not a great point uh, to make an argument. And the second thing is, I'm just glad the Sens hired someone, Ross. Like, how long has it been since the Sens have had someone in an upper management position that's, let's put an asterisk here, that's lasted over a 12-month calendar year? Not very often. And to get a guy, like you said, who has just so much hockey knowledge. Like this, Pierre Maguire can tell you about a prospect from 10 years ago when he was 15, what his dog's name was and what the kid had for breakfast on a daily basis. Like he just is more connected in this industry than almost anyone. Like obviously you've got your insiders, but like Pierre Maguire is so connected in the industry. So he understands hockey from a big picture view, which is, which is a plus for this organization. Now, is he going to be just a yes man and a all positive, all thumbs up for Melnick and Dorian? Maybe, maybe that'll happen, but Anyone that's able to take some pressure off Pierre Dorian and just do some tasks and things that Dorian just doesn't have the time for so that he can focus more on other things is a plus for me because like the amount of stuff that Pierre Dorian does, like most hockey teams have teams of people doing what he's doing all by himself. So the Marlies have an assistant GM. Pierre Dorian is the Belleville Sens GM. Let's yeah, put it like, that way. There's, there's just, there's not a lot of support here. So getting some support, any support, and then plus getting support from someone who's very connected and has a lot of hockey knowledge is a big bonus for me here. So I, I'm going to take this and uh, classic locked on centers, positive spin, but I'm going to take this with a positive spin because it could be a lot worse. And let's see, time will tell how Pierre will do because it's been a while since he's been in this kind of role with the team. You ready to put on the tin hat? Let's hear it. Okay, so there's two things that we can take from this. One, does this mean that a Brady Kachuk extension is imminent? Because let's be honest, Pierre Maguire, he's not going to attach himself to an organization where he thinks the franchise player is about to move on. Not going to lie, I did not think a Brady Kachuk contract was uh, attached to Pierre Maguire getting uh, hired here. But Hey, it's, it's a good sign. And yeah, like you said, Pierre's a connected guy. So like he obviously has some sort of knowledge what's going on with this team. So I, I guess we can uh, really get the positive <laughs> wheels going here, Ross. I'll, I'll hop on that train. Perfect. Anything to inch us closer to a Brady Kachuk extension. I'm just trying my best over here. Got to give me some credit. Now, Sean Simpson, co-host of John Rodenberg on TSN Mornings. Great relationship he has with McGuire. He shared a text about the profile that Pierre Maguire uses to build a successful team. And I want to ask you what Ottawa has left of these spots. So it's a seven-player profile, Pilsy. It goes two elite centers, one power forward, one specialist forward, one shutdown defenseman, one puck-moving defenseman, and an elite starting goalie. So how many of those do the Sens have checked right now? 
Well, start off one power forward, Brady Kachuk. Boom, done. Uh, one shutdown defenseman, still looking for that. One elite puck-moving defenseman. You got Thomas Shabbat. I would say that's fair that he's in that profile. Yep. Elite starting goalie. You you have guys that could be an elite starting goalie. Let's let's phrase it that way. I don't think you can clearly name a number one elite goalie, but you've got a lot of different lottery tickets that could end up hitting. And I mean, Matt Murray is supposed to be that guy. So if he can bounce back, then then you've got it. You've got him. If if he comes back to where he was in his good days in Pittsburgh, then you've got that there. And now you're looking for one specialist forward. That's kind of interesting because that could be spun a couple different ways. I would. Mm, I was going to say I, Connor I think, Brown could yeah, be a specialist that, forward. That's what I was going to say. I think yeah. he fits that bill perfectly. A guy who can be on your first PK unit, but also help out on power play, that sort of thing. And you even have a poor man's specialist forward as well. I think Nick Paul has the ability to become that in the years to come. My second specialist forward on my mind, Ross, was actually Alex Formanton because he, okay. the speed is unmatched and he's a penalty killing specialist. Like he's a guy sure. that can kill penalties, but also be a scoring threat. So, so you, you've sort of got that. I would say you can check that one off Two elite centers. That's, okay. that's the real problem because I'm not even sure you could say the Sens have one elite center in their prospect pool, nothing or on their roster at all, nothing against Josh Norris, but I think, Really, you can classify him more as a 1B or a, a 2 center, right? I think yeah. that's fair. So On a, on a championship on winning team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, even just in general. Like, he is the Sens' number one center, but I wouldn't go around saying uh, Josh Norris is an elite, bona fide number one center. Yet. Yeah. I don't know if I would even have him with that projection. Like I said, I think 1B or a 2 center is where you're going to have him. That doesn't mean that he can't play a top-line center, but I wouldn't classify him as that. Right. So still working on the two elite centers. So as it stands right now, you think four of the six, give or take, because you mentioned lottery tickets in goal, but yes, a shutdown defenseman and two elite centers, those have to be the main pieces and Pierre Maguire in this screenshot that Sean Simpson shared says every team in the cap era has won the cup with this profile. And that's true to this day with Tampa Bay winning back to back. You look what their skill is down the middle, their shutdown line, their shutdown defenseman that they have. It seems on every pair with Chernak on one and David Savard on another and Hedman's just a do it all type defenseman on the top pair. McDonough though, another shutdown defenseman. Yeah. So you have one on literally Every pair. So Ottawa still a ways to go with that. Could Zub be that guy? One of them. But you need more than one to compete. Anyways, back to the Pierre Maguire hiring news. Did, did you think anything else of it? Everyone's going to have their easy layups and chirping them because of the polarizing figure that Maguire has made himself over his broadcasting career. But again, the way I'm going to look at it is this is good but I say it a bit hesitantly. Let's see what the next moves are that come out and we'll have a better idea of what kind of influence and how much influence Pierre Maguire will have on moves because the way it sounds and Dorian made it seem like Pierre Maguire is going to be a part of the decision-making process in all of the hockey operations department. So why is he a senior vice president of player development? To me, that should be a guy who's working with Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester, not with Peter McTavish and with Pierre Dorian. Why wasn't he named assistant GM or a different title? It just seems like a strange title for what the role is, I believe, that he's getting himself into. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Ross. I'm a little confused on that as well. I, 
You know, I hate to say this, but for some reason, I I have to think it's some sort of money move, right? Like that title averages a lower dollar amount or whatever. So they spun it. So that's the title he gets so that he, he can only command so much money. I don't know. That's just a wild speculation based on uh, senators past hirings that uh, there's obviously dollars and cents involved here. But I do think, yeah, he would be more suited in a role where he's kind of a, a soundboard for Pierre Dorian and you can bounce ideas off of him there. My, my main takeaway here, and this is just a little thing that I thought of is Let's go through this. Is this the best hire the Sens could have made? Probably not. Let's be real. But also, we know that when the Sens are looking to hire, sure, maybe a lot of candidates' names come up, but how many of them just say, nah, I'm not even going to interview for that job, let alone go through the interview and don't end up taking the position or get hired? Is this a step in the right direction? Time will tell, right? Like this this just started. Let's see what Pierre Maguire can do in this position. But the main thing is at least we have a well-connected hockey guy working for the sense. So for people that are up in arms about this and, and mad that uh, Pierre Maguire doesn't uh, use analytics as much as they want, just go back to bed. Don't, don't bother tweeting out your opinions about it. Just go back to sleep, get a couple more hours of shut eye and wake up and just see that maybe this is an okay thing if we give it some time. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to go hard on one side or the other. It's a hire. It's taken place. Now let's see what the fallout is, what kind of moves are going to come out of this. Adding another voice, to me, can't be a bad thing. What if you add the voice and you disagree with it all the time? Good. That just means that you're stronger in your own opinion if you're Pierre Dorian. At the end of the day, the general manager makes the decision. So it's on him. I don't think that anybody getting super up in arms about another voice can ever be a bad thing. Now, if it turns out that it doesn't work, so what? I mean, it's, it's money out of Eugene's pocket, but then you just move on and let him go. I don't think it's the end of the world. So with Pierre Maguire, he is now the senior vice president of player development, fancy old title for Pierre Maguire, but he's a part of the Sens organization again, where he once was back in the early days of Sens hockey. Yeah, that's, uh, hey, he's been around. That's the thing. He's worked for a lot of teams. He's worked for a lot of broadcasting companies. So this is a guy that's connected. So at least you have um, a bunch of, you know, you got hockey knowledge at your fingertips that's going to be working for you. So I'm trying to spin this in a positive way because, yes, I have my doubts about Pierre Maguire as well. Do I love him as a broadcaster and agree with everything he says? No, I don't. But this is a whole different role that... You At the very least, we got to give him a chance here. So that's all I'll say for now. Yeah, so in 94, he was hired as a pro scout for the Ottawa Senators, lasted there for two years before taking a head coaching job in the East Coast League. And following that season, just left altogether, started his broadcasting career as a color commentator for Montreal Canadiens Hockey on radio. Then from 2002 until 2011, he was a TSN TV lead hockey analyst And since 2006, he's been with NBC Sports, and we know NBC Sports has lost the rights to NHL hockey. It's being replaced by ESPN as the main and TNT as well. Hey, you know what else is interesting? And the timing of this is that Pierre Maguire's son is draft eligible. Now, he's not a guy I don't think the Sens will take or whatnot, but Pierre Maguire has been watching this age group since they were kids. 
And I bet some people are listening to that and say, he's probably watched every age group since they were like 12 years old with all the knowledge that he has about where they played, who their coach was and all of those things. But you got to think he's got some deep insight onto this draft class well beyond this one shortened COVID year. That's a nice uh, take, Ross. I like that, especially because, yeah, like you and me know, it's not easy to find information or video on these prospects. So like to have a guy who's closely watched this age group, because I mean, if his son's playing it, you better believe that he's he's dialed into this year's uh, draft class. So I think this this could be a good thing. And it's good timing for this upcoming draft. Yeah, he played this past year at the Penticton V's and he's heading to Colgate University next year. That's Ryan McGuire, Pierre McGuire's son. Penticton, that's somewhere Ottawa's drafted out of before. I think of Johnny Tyconic a few years ago, but the draft is upcoming. We're almost single digits away, Pilsy. I'm really looking forward to getting up to Collingwood and getting into draft mode. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. You can follow along with us at Send Central on Twitter or LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and you can do it on multiple platforms. If you don't mind, if you have Spotify and Apple uh, podcasts on your phone, please subscribe to both and write us a review. If you don't mind five stars, it does go quite a long way pills. You know what else goes a long way after a big workout? It's built bars. Oh yeah, of course. Built Bar is the way to go. If you're working out, it's a nice day again. So get outside, enjoy the day and built bar They've got it figured out. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have so many different amazing flavors to choose from. You got to try them all. And I have tried them all. That's why I'm going to give you guys a little hint on what I would select today. So let's head over to the Built Bar website, builtbar.com. And I'm going to go with the classic. It's cookies and cream. This one is always one of my favorite flavors. I don't know if you guys like cookies and cream ice cream, but if you do, this is the flavor for you. It's covered in 100% dark chocolate. One bite in and you're going to forget that you're eating a healthy protein bar. Let me tell you that. Only 130 calories, but you get 17 grams of protein. They have it figured out. The formula to make healthy protein bars taste good. That's what they're all about. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And the sweetest part of the deal is since you're a Locked On Senators podcast listener, we got a promo code for you. So head to BuiltBar.com today and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Guys, one more time, you got to check it out, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy, back to the draft rankings we go. And as we do each and every show, we give a quick overview for anyone just hopping on the bandwagon, listening to their first LOSP. How we do our draft rankings here is we take our eight most trusted sources and we take the average from all eight. We've got Craig Button and Bob McKenzie from TSN. We have Scott Wheeler and Corey Pronman from The Athletic. Best friend of the show, Tony Ferrari, who will be joining us ahead of the draft. We've got the Elite Prospects draft guide, McKean's Hockey, and Will Scouch and his scouching, which is heavily based off analytics. So we took a little bit of eye test, a little bit of analytics, a little bit of what teams think, which is more so what Bob McKenzie's rankings are, and we've come up with our own. We're working our way up from 75, and today, Pilsy, today we start at 35 with defenseman 
Jack Pert from Fargo of the USHL. He's heading to the NCHC next year where he'll represent St. Cloud State. Yep, and it's no shock he's going to St. Cloud State, Ross. This, like, Minnesota, the hockey state, like, this guy eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. Hell, he won Mr. Hockey Award, which is given to the best Minnesota high school hockey player. So this guy's got hockey in his mind all the time. And he did kind of a weird move, though, Ross. I'm not sure I've seen anyone pull this off. He started the season in the USHL in Fargo, like you mentioned, but then he left to go play for his high school team. And then he came back to Fargo for the playoffs. So very interesting move. Um, Maybe just getting a little bit of FOMO, wanted to play one more year with his high school buddies and uh, have some success worked out for him. Like when you put up two points per game as a defenseman, you're having fun playing hockey for sure. Yeah, he was having fun, but it just seems like a weird move to go down a competition level from the USHL to Minnesota high school hockey. But if you're going to play high school hockey anywhere, Minnesota is probably the top tier spot. So I don't blame him there. But in 24 games in the USHL, he had a goal, 14 assists, and he came back for playoffs, like I mentioned. And he really stepped up his game there. He In nine playoff games, he had seven points. So that's pretty solid results. Yeah, we're looking at a left shot defenseman who's a shade under six feet tall, about 180 pounds, but transition and offense is the name of the game for Jack Pert, where he's going to shoulder check right before he goes back to get pucks. And he does a great job at after he shoulder checks, he's thinking as he's going back, what am I going to do with the puck right away? There's no lag in his game. Everything is calculated and done quickly. So I'm a big fan of Jack Pert. We've had a lot of left shot defensemen in this ranking, especially recently. And Jack Pert to me is one of my favorite to date, just the smooth skating aspect. But unlike the two U S national team program guys, we did with Barons and, and uh, harass Chuck, he's got a bit more size on him as well. So I like that to Jack Pert's game. And he's fairly physical as well. I wouldn't say that's his calling card by any stretch, but he's not afraid to lay in the body sometimes as well. Yeah, and I think the physicality he has isn't like when you think he's physical, you're thinking Tyler Clevin, right? Big hits. Uh, Yeah, get out of the K-chain tracks. But he's physical more in a way that like he's not afraid to make contact. Like he's not the guy that's laying big open ice hits or is going to crush guys up against the boards. But if there's a scenario where he's in a puck uh, battle in the corner, he's going to be giving it to you. He's not just going to be poking a stick around. Like you're going to know Jack Pert's behind you. And he, I like this guy because he's a solid two-way defender. He can shut down opponents' offenses. And then when that puck turns over, he can start his own team's offense. Like, like you said, the transitional game is his bread and butter. And I feel like he's going to be a solid second pair defenseman. And he kind of gives me like poor man Jake Sanderson vibes, you know, like Whoa. Jake Jake Sanderson, he's able to do all those things at a high, high level, whereas Pert kind of seems to do it at a kind of above average pace right now. So I gave him three out of five stars only because I don't think the Sens are going to have a chance to draft him. And I wouldn't want him to be the first defenseman to draft because we got to find someone for the right side. So I think he's a great prospect, but as far as the Sens drafting him, uh, only three out of five stars here. Yeah, I put three out of five stars as well. And if he shot right, that would be four out of five stars. So I'm kind of leaning on your point. I think Scott Morrow would be my preferred pick. Uh, If you're going to go defenseman at 39 or 42, the right shot defenseman who we profiled late last week, and he kind of brings the same skill package, I think. So when it comes to 
Jack Pert. I think that he's going to be a guy who goes off the board in, in one of those late first round picks. Does Minnesota take a, a stab at the homegrown talent? Who knows? That'd be nice. But I think that there could be a fit there. And I think that he's also a guy who's going to be a few years away. I think we might see him do two, three, maybe a fourth year, go all fourth school. St. Cloud State is a fantastic place to develop those. They've been uh, at least NCHC champions once or twice in the last few years, maybe even national championship, but don't quote me on that. But he is going to a very good program. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Jack Burt's going to be the guy he's going to get called up to the NHL. Things are going to go great, but then St. Cloud's going to be in the hunt for the playoffs. And he's like, sorry guys, I got to go back to school. Like the, bo- <laughs> the boys need me. Like I don't need the paycheck. I just got to get back, win some more glory for the state of Minnesota. Yep. I would not argue that. So Jack Pert, I'll go through the rankings real quick and we'll move along. He comes in with an average of 39.7 35th on our list. And He's not much higher on anywhere. Like McKean's has him at 23, and that's the highest. EP draft guide at 29, Wheeler at 37, Ferrari at 40. So all those right in the range. And Bob McKenzie is at 51 there. But at the end of the day, guess who is way different than everybody else, Pilsy? I'll give you a guess. It's got to be Corey, our guy, Corey. 61st on Corey (laughs) Pronman's list i'm extremely interested to find out who pronman is higher on than most because so far he's lower on absolutely everybody it's it's uncanny there's the only explanation ross is all the guys we have ranked below 74 he's got in first round right no doubt every single guy we talk about it's like all right this guy is a bona fide first round guy but he's in the 90s with pronman As we move to number 34, coming in with an average rank of 38.6, it's Sasha Pastujov. He was the leading scorer with Team USA at the World Under-18s this year. And get this, he grew up in Detroit, Michigan, but this guy's born in Florida, Bradenton, Florida, which is right around the corner from where my parents have their retirement home. And I know Dave Bush is listening to this, building in Lakewood Ranch as well, saying, huh? But yeah, Florida born, grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and this kid is a highlight reel machine, Pilsy. This guy is a points machine too. Like we talked about it with Martino the other day, but Sasha Pasajov is even a step above that. Like in 18 games in the USHL with the US program, he had 26 points. So not bad. In 41 games with the U18 team, he had 65 points and 30 goals. And he plays the left wing. He's got good size to him. Six feet, 183 pounds. He's committed to University of Notre Dame next season. So he's in a good spot to succeed too, Ross. Yeah, thing is with Notre Dame, they're a team who's not known as a powerhouse by any stretch. But they do have a good roster, and they're expecting Pastujov to go in there and play top six right away. That's the kind of player he is. Similar to Abramov in the sense that you don't want him on your team playing fourth or third line. If this guy's going to go, just wind him up and let him buzz around the ice. That's his calling card. This is what Scott Wheeler wrote about him. He's the program, that being the U.S. national team program. He's their most dangerous offensive player when Chaz Lucius was out. He's got excellent touch, regularly pulling pucks through feet and and sticks into space. But he also mixes in fakes and stutter steps to create transition and separation or go inside out on defenders. This is not a chip and chase player. This is a, I'm going to go around you right to the net type. But 
Pilsy. I don't see him as the type of guy who you hate where they'll do it to a fault. I think this guy knows when he needs to get pucks on net. And if he makes the first move and gives himself that space, he's using that space to fire pucks on tendies and usually pass them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 30 goals in 41 games. How are you? But Yeah, yeah, pretty decent. That's that's the thing. He's not a guy that I'm pulling my hair out because he's doing spinoramas around no one in his own end. Like, he's not that guy. And Wheeler, I love this uh, term that Wheeler says, an inventive playmaker. Because he's so crafty with the puck. He never gives up on a play. He's the kind of guy, he's a driver on his line offensively, and he can lead a power play. So the the kind of qualms I have, and this is fairly typical for an offensive player, it's to be expected. He's not great away from the puck and defensively. He likes. He's the kind of guy that drifts behind the play. He's kind of coasting mm. around, waiting to pick his spot. And then when the puck comes loose, he pounces. But there's some bad things with this, obviously, because he's not always involved in the play because he's just hanging around. So if the team just isn't clicking on offense that night, you may kind of be like, well, passage of was invisible. Like I didn't see him do anything. And that's because he's a real offensive guy. And he relies maybe a little bit too much on his teammates to move the puck up the ice. But when you're playing on an absolutely stacked U.S. development program team like that's not a problem at all. Like any of those guys can move the puck up the ice for you. But once he's in the ozone, so power play specialist for sure, he's deadly because you don't know whether he's going to pass or shoot. And if he does have an opportunity where he drifts a little farther behind and has open space, he can get that shot off so quick and it's so accurate. So this is a guy that I'm really into Ross. I think he's a great winger. It's funny that we both looked at, Scott Wheeler's quotes because Scott Wheeler has him higher than anybody and a lot higher. Get this. Scott Wheeler has the guy whose average ranking is 38.6 has him at 14th on his list. He loves it, but he also acknowledges that he's a little misunderstood. He thinks that some scouts see mediocre acceleration and top speed and worry about his ceiling. Whereas Scott Wheeler sees an inventive playmaker who can do a lot with the puck and produce at such a high rate. So I'm a little torn on it because I do like having a lot of speed and especially who knows how long he'll take to get to the NHL level and if DJ Smith will still be the head coach. But I don't know if this is a DJ Smith type player, just in the fact that I think the one constant for everyone that excels under his game is you have to be able to skate. You have to be able to go up and down and forecheck hard and turn over pucks on defense. So for that reason, I don't know if that's a, an exact fit, But on that same token, I don't think you're drafting a second rounder based on what the head coach of your team is fit, right? It's more so how your scouts see how they'll develop their game. And he could also pick up his speed because this is a guy who doesn't shy away from contact, especially when you read that he's going inside out on defenders. He'll, He'll bring you right to you and say, no, but you just can't catch me. So I know that I'm a little bit lower. I'll go three and a half stars, but I think that you're going a little higher, no? Yeah, I got four stars on Pastor Job because I think, yeah, there's the knocks on his ability to play defense and maybe he's not the guy that's going to bring the puck from your own zone to the offensive zone very well. But if you set him up and put him in a position to succeed where you've got a guy who can do that, like for me, I put... He can be a good second line winger, but he's going to need a big centerman that can play those uh, puck battles in the corner and get those loose pucks and a transitional D man, like a guy like Jake Sanderson, who can make that good first pass to clear a lot of ice in an instant to get that puck moving up the ice quickly. So I gave him four stars because 
the Sens need a guy like this, Ross. Like they need, like they went out and got Evgeny Dadunov thinking he was going to be a guy like this. He was going to be a specialist on the power play. He was going to be so dangerous offensively, but he just wasn't. So the Sens need a guy who you can plug into your top power play. And yeah, maybe a lot of his minutes are going to be on the man advantage, but that's okay because they're so spread out and they've got so much other talented guys in different areas. So I think he would really fill a need. And if he was the first winger they selected out the out of this draft at pick 39, I'd be a static i think for the next few picks let's play a quick game first rounder or not and this isn't based on our rankings obviously as it's just an average but do you think that the nhl teams will see him as a first round pick do you think he goes on night one no i got him early second round okay and then he comes in at number 34 let's reset before we get in to our final two rankings for today a pair of centermen out of the qmjhl including one who played just down the road in Gatineau. But let's tell you about our friends first over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the online sports book of the Locked On Senators podcast and the entire Locked On Podcast Network. It's the one place that has you covered, the only place that we trust. And why? Why, why, why? Well, it's easy when you give such amazing welcome bonuses. They make you feel like a part of the family right away at Bet Online. You go to Bet Online, make your own account, and you put in the promo code locked on and you'll get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy. 50%. You put in 200 bingo, bango, bongo. That's a hundred dollars free play for you right now. So Pilsy, your parlay of the day is over. And how funny is this bet online to do the, the read today? We still love them, but today is one of the only days on the sports calendar where there's no games. It's the MLB All-Star break. So typically the NBA is done right now, although the NBA final will resume tomorrow. So there's literally no sports. You had a great weekend, the Euro Cup final. There was Wimbledon final. But today, absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's the it's the dog days of summer just uh, kind of shifted a little earlier with everyone's weird calendar schedules this year. But hey, you can't lose if you, if you don't play. And sometimes that's the responsible gambling decision to make, Ross. Absolutely. And we want you to be responsible. We want you to be in the action as well. Don't sit on the sidelines, whether you're at a high school dance or you're betting on sports. You want to be right in the thick of it, right in the action. And that's where Bet Online comes in. So use the promo code locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pilsy. So to recap, we had number 35, Jack Pert, left shot defenseman. We had number 34, Sasha Pastujov, a left winger, left shot as well. And now we move up to another left shot. All four of our guys right now, lefties. But we got a centerman, Zachary Bolduc from Ramuski, although he's been traded to the Quebec Rempar where he'll play next season. But this guy, he was a highly touted kid. Coming up, he was a high pick in the Q draft. And it seems like now there's questions about what just his upside can be at the next level. Yeah, it seems uh, Zachary Baldock has kind of, he's kind of, plateaued a little bit like he's basically a point per game guy in the queue which uh ross i know you don't uh your eyes don't get out of your head with that that's just kind of a mess stat to you which which is fair there's a lot of scoring that goes on in the queue so that's fine but in 2019 2020 and i always reference that year because it was the most normal year a lot of these junior players had so i try to go to a full season he had 52 points in 55 games and he won q rookie of the year that year so 
a lot of hype, like you said. Then last season, he had 29 points in 27 games. Still good, point-per-game pace. But Ramuski, they're in a tough spot. They were rebuilding. So they traded him to Quebec. Let's see what he can do with a little more talent on his team. EP, they didn't love his skating form, but they said his strides are solid. So take that with what you will. I'm not really sure how that kind of balances out there. What he likes to do is he goes at defenders head on, Ross. Like if, if there's an opportunity where he has the puck and there's a defender in front of him, he's not looking for a pass or a chip and chase. He's either going to try to go through you with a deke or try to power wide around you, which, which is okay. But like, it can be a little one dimensional sometimes. So I think for me with Bolduc, it's, he seems like a jack of all trades type prospect. Like he doesn't have that defining feature. He's just kind of right around average at everything. No matter what the ceiling is though, do you see him with a big body as well? I mean, he's six one right now, but he looks big on the ice bulky. Do you think he's the kind of guy who can stay at center if, and when he reaches the NHL level? Yeah, I think so. Cause yeah, like I said, he's very average at everything. So put all those tools together and he's a guy that can go up and down the ice and give you a good shift wherever you need him, I think. Before he joined Ramuski, and he was drafted in the first round, 14th overall in the Q draft, before winning, as you mentioned, Rookie of the Year, he was 95% sure that he was going to go the USHL route and go to college. Do you think that would have helped his development overall? Or do you think he did enough in the Q to be like, okay, I got to get this guy in the first round? Well, I mean, right off the bat, I'll say it would have helped his development only because of the COVID situation with the Q, right? Whereas the U- right. the USHL was fairly unaffected, it seems. Like a lot of those guys got full season in and it ended up being a really good year for them. So in, in that sense, yeah, I would say it stunted his development a little bit. And maybe now he's like, ah, oh, damn, I wish I would have went that route. But he's still putting a point per game pace at the Q is, is a fine spot to be at. So like, that's okay. So I'm going to put a, a word to the wise, maybe a little bit of caution to the wind where he had 30 goals in 55 games with Ramuski last year. He was playing on a line with Alexi Lafreniere, who had yeah. about two points per game and was dominating. So when Lafreniere, he's a left winger, they even moved Bull Duke over to play right wing. So this is a guy who was barely even trusted to play center at the QMJHL level. So I wonder if that could, could scare uh, teams off because his defensive game as well. I don't think it's very strong, inconsistent in puck battles. And just from what I've seen, it's like, he's okay at everything. Like a Jack of all trades, master of none type. When we're looking at bull Duke, I've got him at two stars. How about you? Yeah, I've got him at two stars as well, Ross. Cause I, I don't think he's going to be a bit available for the sense either. So this isn't a guy that I would want them to trade up to try to grab or anything. So no. two stars for me. Yeah, I, I mean, at that token, like it's almost whenever he goes, it's a free spot on the draft card when you're looking at who you want the sense to draft because he's a lot lower on my personal list, although I don't have one written now. Maybe I'll do a top 50 or something just for fun. And uh, it's something, you know, you can cross off as you go throughout the draft and we'll see just how long they last. But he's definitely not 33 on my list. And again, I'll ask you the same question, but I think it's going to be a resounding no. Do you think this guy will be taken on the first day of the draft? No, I really don't. And I mean, looking at the rankings right here, Ross, the only guys that have him in the first round are McKenzie and Button. And Button. And but that's, that's their what mid-draft. NHL teams, right? But that's their mid-draft, right? right? Like a lot has happened since. So I'd be Fair. interested to see if they stay there for their final rankings. Yeah, McKean's has him at 29, Pronman 33, Wheeler 35, Ferrari 56, and Scouching all the way down at 60. 
eight. So Zachary Bull Duke, we'll see how he does in Quebec. You know, a new scenery could do him well for the Trois-Rivières neighbor. 33 on our list as we move to 32. What should be still considered a first-round pick? And I believe in all intensive purposes, it will. But because Arizona had their pick axed, it's really just a 31 pick first round. But coming in at number 32 with an average ranking of 34.9 from the Gatineau Olympic center, Zach Dean. Yeah, Zach Dean is a solid center for the Gatineau Olympique, like you said, in 2019-2020, he had 46 points in 57 games, and then last season he had 20 points in 23 games. So he's inching towards that point-per-game pace in the queue. He was an assistant captain last season with Gatineau, so that's good. Wheeler, he had some compliments for the way he plays the game, but he doesn't. he's not really sold on him having a high ceiling, whereas then we go to EP. They haven't ranked 15th. And they're very high on his skating, his stick handling, and his hockey sense, which that's a really good trifecta to have, Ross, because if you put all those skills together, you're a dangerous threat to break the puck up the ice at any moment. Yeah, and with Zach Dean, his transition game's awesome, and I think his defensive game's really good, too. This is more so the type of player I think will develop into a center at the NHL level. And when you read what Scott Wheeler raves about him saying it's impossible to dislike the way Dean plays hockey works his tail off, always applying pressure defensively, always in motion, whether he has the puck or he doesn't. And he always funnels his game to the inside of the ice. Does this not sound a bit like Ridley Gregg to you? A little bit. Yeah. I'm not sure he has the nastiness and the physicality (laughs) of Ridley Gregg. He's more, uh, more on the skating side of that, but Definitely some similarities. Yeah, I would say that. And something important too, EP goes into it, is when they had scouts watching him with Gatineau, they were just so frustrated because he was on a weaker team that he could have had bunches of more points. But he makes a great play, passes it off to a teammate, and then the teammate just can't get anything done. So the play just dies once it leaves his stick. So they said there's a lot of untapped potential there. Now, enough potential to have him ranked 15th. I don't know about that, but I think he's he's a solid prospect. I think a team's going to jump on him, maybe not in the first round, but uh, early second. And I don't think he's going to be available for Sens at pick 39. So for me, I'm giving Zach Dean three out of five stars. So Zach Dean grew up on the East Coast. Good Newfoundlander. And we know that uh, Trent Mann is a New Brunswick guy, loves the East Coast uh, fellas, he was on Wally Mathot last week and mentioned, like, I'm most proud of drafting Drake Batherson. He mentions that it's not first on his list that he's East Coast boy, but of course, not being drafted the first time, uh, diamond in the rough type. But you know, he's got a little affinity. And you look at all the other connections the Sens have to the East Coast. Josh Norris's dad's from there. And yeah, Zach Dean grew up in St. John's, but he's uh, born in Grand Prairie in Alberta. He's a January birthday. So um, earlier on in the draft season, he'll be back with Gatineau uh, next year in the Slush Puppy Center. You can go see them. Uh, what awesome. name? <laughs> yeah, sick name, eh? It's I don't, great. Know, I don't know if you want a name of an ice rink with slush <laughs> in it. That that doesn't seem like a great thing for me. That is hilarious. I love that. But I also love Zach Dean. I think that if he somehow is there on day two at 39, I'd be happy for the Sens to take the left shot centerman. What if the Sens already take a center with pick number 10? Same result for you? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, at the same token, like we've seen, you can draft the center and they end up on the wing. So, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I'd say at the draft, you're more so drafting forward 
defenseman, goalie, and figure out the position as they go along. And you mentioned EP draft guide, 15. How about scouting at 60? Well, there's lots in between as well. Craig Button had him at 26. Bob McKenzie at 32. Same with Corey Pronman, Wheeler and Ferrari at 38. And McKean's at 38 as well. So these guys all have them in bunches outside of the two outliers. I almost feel next year, Pilsy, maybe when we do this, we do Olympic-type scoring where they take out the highest and lowest, you know, the two outliers, and then just have the middle. Anyways, that's for next year. Right now, the focus remains solely on the 2021 NHL draft that we are only 11 days away from. But the big news today was Pierre Maguire hired by the Ottawa Senators. So head on over to at Send Central on Twitter and have your say. What do you think of the move? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Or are you indifferent? Almost 500 votes already and 56% say good. So the vocal minority, as Eugene Melnick liked to chirp Sens fans, although I didn't agree with him in that, but it does seem like although there's a lot of jokes to be had at the Sens expense and Pierre Maguire, we talk about how polarizing he is. I think many Sens fans would agree this is a good hire, Pilsy. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to just saying, like, it's it's a good hire because they hired someone. Like, that's that's all this is. Like, it's been so long since they've been able to get guys in their executive upper management positions. And to have a guy as connected as Pierre, whether you like him or not, it's a good thing. Time will tell for that. Time will also tell to see how these kids will all develop into NHL players coming out of the draft. So just to get back to it, because I forgot to ask you, we always do our send stars. What do you have for Zach Dean? I got three stars for Dean, mostly because I don't think he's going to be available. That's, that's kind of the biggest reason why. I'm going to up it a bit and say 3.5. And if they take him at 39, I'm all for it. So that concludes today's edition of the draft rankings and locked on senators. But for up to the minute content, as I mentioned, go follow us on Twitter at Send Central. And if you missed any episodes, go back. We've put in the title all of our draft rankings each and every time and go have your say of which NHL draft picks of the four that we profiled would you most like the Sens to draft. And last week, we also had a pair of awesome Send Central citizens, Richard Holmes, Alex LaPierre. Go check those out if you're looking for a little more Sens content but for today we say goodbye for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senator podcast your team every day